Hello, I am Kristen Damara, the Director for Head Start and Early Head Start for Community Services Agency here in Reno. If you love working with children and you love making a difference, call us at Community Services Agency. Our website is csareno.org, or you could come see us at our main location at 1100 East 8th Street in Reno, Nevada. Parents, teachers, retired teachers, we would love to talk to you. Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Hi, everybody. Peter Padilla here on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Thanks for tuning into our show. Two real estate experts in the studio today to talk about the real estate market, the mortgage market, and uh, the psychological market when it comes to buying and selling real estate in and out of Northern Nevada. We'll talk about the stats from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors, a look at some upcoming events that you won't want to miss, and more after this. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference is coming Feb 24, 25, and 26 in Yearington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. Make your hotel reservation soon. Yearington Inn, Main Street Inn, Comper Inn. The 2022 Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 24, 25, and 26 in Yearington, Nevada. Register at NevadaStateBeekeepers.org, Feb 24, 25, and 26, NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. Welcome back to our radio show. In addition to real estate, I love to keep bees as a hobby and for fun and for food. It's a dandy thing to do. I am going to the Nevada State Beekeepers Conference to get tuned up like I do every year. We find experienced beekeepers, new beekeepers, people who just want to find out about some products from the hive coming to our conference every year. And I'd like to invite you to join us as well. It's coming February 24th, 25th, and 26th in beautiful Yarrington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. You'd be amazed how many beekeeping operations there are just around Reno, Nevada. It's amazing. And when you get to Lyon County, to the Yarrington area, you're going to see a lot of little white boxes all over the community because so much agriculture means good food for honeybees. And if you'd like to be learning more about the honeybee world, visit us at the Nevada State Beekeepers Conference. Get all the details at nevadastatebeekeepers.org and tell them Peter sent you. With me in the studio, two guests we love talking with about the real estate world. First of all, Gary McDonald, president of the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. Welcome, Gary. Thank you, Peter. Nice to be here. Nice to be here as well with you, Gary. Um, it's almost like spring in a way because the weather is really pleasant out there. 
and people have moved to northern Nevada because they, they like the cold, cold weather. It hasn't hit yet. No. We do have water in the Truckee, though. The water in the Truckee, very nice. And snow on the mountain and more to come. We're looking forward to doing a little skiing and maybe some snowshoeing as well, Gary. All right. Also with us, Brian Cushing. Brian is a mortgage loan consultant at Guild Mortgage, part of the Cushing team. He's with us today. Welcome, Brian. Oh, happy to be here. It's good to be talking with you gentlemen because the real estate market continues to baffle many of us, including myself, and I follow the real estate market every day. It's just amazing where demand, where prices, where people's attitudes about home ownership is going. 2021 is not at all to me like looking back a year, two, three, or four. The cycles of the way things happen just don't seem to be quite the same. Gary, is there some anomaly situation going on? I would say so, Peter. We've been in a continually uh, uptick in the market for quite a while now. Uh, when uh, when I first jumped back into residential real estate in 2013, 75% of the homes on the market coming out of the downturn, the economic downturn, were short sale and foreclosure. You could buy a home for $100,000 less than you could build it. And there were some extremely great opportunities in the marketplace. And many wise investors took advantage of that. They poured cash into the market, bought up a lot of homes, made them rentals. Uh, some of those got flipped over the years. But we've been seeing a continual uptick, uh, as we were talking about a couple of minutes ago. The marketplace has been... Uh, a seller's market, which means a shortage of inventory and um, puts the seller in a, in a good position, makes the buyer have to work a little harder, get with people like Brian right out of the get-go to get their loan in order. If they're going to do a loan on a property, uh, make sure they uh, have a realtor by their side to guide them through the process, help guide them through the process. It's been a solid seller's market to a point of, uh, unseen before in this particular marketplace, but nationwide too, where there's a nationwide shortage of homes, there's an abundance of buyers and not a plethora of sellers. So in, in today's market, because it is a seller's market, you know, I, I think about the fact that at one time, Gary McDonald, all of these sellers were buyers. Yes. There was a time when they bought all of this property that right now they're thinking about selling. And the things that they did when they were buyers have got them to this point right now today where they're now, I mean, look, if I had to choose between being a seller today or a buyer today, I'd rather be a seller. Yes. And how do you get to be a good seller? You've got to be a good buyer. Somebody told me once, Gary, that you make your profit, you make your gains, not so much when you sell, but when you buy. Have you heard of that before? Absolutely. Um over the course of time, real estate investment has been the single greatest contributor to growth of wealth in our country. And I believe that's still to be the case, and I think it will be the case in the future. They are not making any more land. They're not. And, you know, um, the thing about real estate is in many cases, like we talked about in our radio show, real estate is a way to grow a family. And so there's a lot more to the real estate world than just the structure as it is, and we know interest rates are a big part of the real estate world. It's part of the fuel that makes real estate work. Brian Cushing is with us from the Guild Mortgage Team. Brian, with the number of transactions that are going on being reduced than they have been in years past, and the prices being up, conventional wisdom might think that, well, there must be a slowdown in the real estate business, in the mortgage business. Tell us what's really happening. 
Well, I mean, the mortgage business has got two facets. You've got the buyer side of the people that want to buy, and they can get great interest rates, but you've got the, the folks that are just refinancing their house a couple times in mm-hmm. this last cycle. So what it's doing is generating so much cash. I mean, there's just money out there, and we probably find a hard time buying a, rental, a used car now. I've got people that are paying off their cars and buying vehicles with cash-out refinances on their house. <laughs> so is that a good idea? I'm not here to tell them. I'm not, you know, I, I can't I'll say tell exactly. Them it sounds crazy. It does sound <laughs> crazy, but, it, you know, people are doing it. Now, this has an interesting little flashback type scenario. Around 2006, this was pretty popular. Hmm. Now, you could do a lot higher loan-to-value back then. Now it's more restricted, but you can tap into that equity. And when mm-hmm. your equity has gone up, what, Gary, 20% in the last year? Oh, yes. So, you know, if you put no money down a year ago, you got 20% equity suddenly this yeah, year. Or if you, you buy put a car 20% down a year ago, you got 40% equity. Right. So it's kind of wild. Uh-huh. Um, so interest rates have just fueled so many different things throughout the economy other than just real estate. But we were talking a little bit earlier. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago in 2018 when rates were broaching close to 5%. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the inventory issue was a big conversation back then. It was about a year after Tesla announced they were going to come, so there's lots of investors buying in the market. But also, people didn't want to sell. I didn't feel like my past clients didn't seem to want to sell because I had just done a refinance in 2016 at 3.99. And if they have to sell that house and buy at a higher interest rate, that wasn't the top of their to-do list. And it's then the last cycle, this 2018 to 2019, we have this drop in rates, and it just kept falling into 2020, and we're still at this record low. 2021 has just been like almost 24 months of just the lowest of all time record on interest rates. It's hard to believe when you really think about what makes the economy move, and it's taxation. Taxes is what makes the economy move, and yet with low interest rates, it is less cash out of your pocket to make a mortgage payment because it's really based on the interest rate almost more than the price of the property, that interest rate really drives the amount of cash that moves from one side of the ledger to the other. And there's always a tax attached to financial transactions in the U.S. So I would again think that with the economy as it's been our challenges that the government will want to raise interest rates quicker so they can start to bring in more tax money. But so far, it's been pretty well contained. The uh, trades that I'm reading are telling me that the feds are doing everything they can to keep interest rates low, but don't they seem kind of artificially low, don't they, in a way, Brian? Oh, yeah, 100% artificially low. Right, I mean, I mean, so where is it being made up? It's got to be made up in the price of so many products. We're talking about inflation coming into play on the news reports of late um, and wondering what it's going to look like as we move into 2022. Uh, I'm, how do you think inflation might impact um, the interest rates versus the purchase price of homes, Brian? Any idea? Well, the Mortgage Bankers Administration, they're another group of economists, and economists are notoriously not correct, but the the general thinking is that rates are going to go up. Now, with inflation, I'd have to agree. It does look like rates are going to be pushing up, and the mm-hmm. feds are going to try to contain that. Like I think that's the word you use. I like that, uh, because they'll let it move up a little bit. So if the rates move up half a percent, it's not going to break the back of the entire marketplace. It's definitely going to slow the refinance market down, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. People will still buy mm-hmm. with rates below 4%. If they start going up a lot, like if we get up into the upper 4%, like we did back in 2018, that could cause a whole new round of I mean, more inflation. Like now suddenly 
got to buy a new house. It's going to cost you more money. Mm-hmm. So I got to know, think that that's going to make a, you know, it's going to help you decide whether or not you offer at these really high price points that we're seeing, you know, comparatively on homes. Like Gary was telling us an example of a house that low appraisal. I have low appraisals come in all the time. I think people are more willing to like deal with it. Like buyers know going in, I might have to pay more than that appraiser seems to think this house is worth because I see the value. Mm-hmm. And if I can borrow, you know, enough money to buy the house, maybe I've got more than twenty percent down. If you're selling a property, you probably do. There's all kinds of equity there. Mm-hmm. You can make up the difference and set that market, the high water mark. I think is what the term we used for it earlier. And that just keeps driving the next seller in the neighborhood to want to sell for more, which is where Gary comes in. It's interesting. I just got back from Kona, and while I was there, of course, I stopped by a real estate office, and someone came out to visit. And they have in their contracts there, we do not have it locally, but in the Kona contract, it says that Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, uh, if your appraisal comes, if you're financing this property and your appraisal comes up short, you are required to make up the difference in cash. Not the seller, it's not negotiated, it's clear cut, it's over, the buyer is gonna come up with a difference. We do not have that here. Wow, I, I, that, that's amazing, because that's always been kind of uh, an out, if you will. If the appraisal doesn't come in good, you can back off from your offer to buy, but it's what, common knowledge now that the appraisals don't really have that much weight anymore in the actual buying decision. It's almost like when you go in, you better be prepared the appraisal is just to tell you how much extra money you have to put in. That is true, but it can still be a roadblock to putting a transaction together. If you've got a buyer that is limited in the amount of funds available, it, it could stop your deal right there in its track. Because if the seller's not willing to come down and the buyer can't come up, mm-hmm. then the deal's pretty much over. Well, I guess they look at it differently in Hawaii. They do look at it differently in a way, but they're very upfront about it. That's very nice. That's right. You know, no surprises. I love that. Gary McDonald is our guest from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. We're being joined by Brian Cushing, Senior Loan Officer at Guild Mortgage. We're going to talk about a word that didn't used to get talked a lot about in the real estate world, but I bet it is now. That word is contingency. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Brian Cushing, Senior Loan Officer at Guild Mortgage. Join me and the rest of the Nevada Real Estate Radio team. I love talking about my specialty, the mortgage world, and how we help families in Northern Nevada accomplish their dreams of home ownership. Make sure you totally understand before you sign on the dotted line. Tune in to Nevada Real Estate Radio. Guild Mortgage Company, equal housing opportunity. Company NMLS number 3274, NV Banker number 1076, NV Broker number 1141, Brian Cushing NMLS number 303045, telephone number 775-453-0345, located in 6990 South McCarran Boulevard, Suite 200, Reno, Nevada, 89509. All loans subject to underwriter approval, terms and conditions may apply, subject to change without notice. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? 
For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. You know, one of the things I love to do every day is to help young children. I don't have any young kids that live around my house, but I help kids by spreading out the good word about what's happening at Community Services Agency right here in Northern Nevada. Community Services Agency has this fantastic Head Start and early Head Start program. They're helping teach these young kids as early as six months. Can you believe that, a six-month-old in school? If I'd have gone to school when I was six months, old, I'd probably be a lot smarter than I am today. That's what kids have going for them right now. They actually get to go to school, interact with others, learn social skills, colors, reading, all that fun stuff. They start them at six years old at Community Services Agency. What's really cool about the agency is that it's not connected with the local and county school systems, so there are a lot more freedoms and extensions that they can help their students and their teachers accomplish. In fact, they're looking for teachers right now at Community Services Agency to help with the Head Start and Early Head Start program. You're a teacher, a retired teacher, or you just want to become a teacher, you can do that at Community Services Agency. It's a great place to work. It's fun. It's play. It's learn. It's all put together, and a lot of smiles coming from Head Start and Early Head Start. You can get all of the details by visiting the website, csareno.org and ask about Head Start and Early Head Start teaching opportunities. In the studio with me today, Brian Cushing from Guild Mortgage and Gary McDonald from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. We were talking about all of the things that are happening in the world of real estate right now. It's pretty much, as we talked about, it's a seller's market. But earlier in the year, gentlemen, when I was talking with a few people interested in buying and selling, they were talking about all cash deals and had to be ready to go and maybe close in seven or eight days and all this crazy stuff because there's so many people looking to buy homes. And one of the gents I was talking to was thinking about selling his home and then buying a home. So he had to make an offer on a home while he was still selling his home. And it was a contingency, basically. And he said that some of the sellers that he was talking to were kind of chuckling and laughing because they had so many people just willing to pay the cash and walk out and buy the deal now. That's changed lately, I understand. We've noticed a, a number of contingency offers in the marketplace that was pretty much unheard of six months ago. Mm -hmm. it, it's a normal way of, when I say normal, nothing's been normal, but when I, when I use the term normal, it's not at all impossible to believe that, all right, uh, the people who want to do a move up buy are looking to get into a bigger home, three-car garage, four-car garage, whatever, put some land around them. It's, uh, it's not unreasonable to assume that they might have a property to sell in order to be able to economically do that. Yeah. Well, uh, we've had so, so much outside money coming into the marketplace and so many people able to perform in cash that the contingency offer kind of went away. It's coming. It's making a comeback. I just did a transaction that had a contingency with a contingency with a contingency. They all sold. It all went together. But for realtors and lenders, it's kind of a dance. Would you agree, Brian? Oh, it's a dance. That's a great way to say it. <laughs> Sounds like playing checkers. you got to jump over one deal, then another deal, then another deal in order to get your deal closed. Yes. It takes a lot of communication. 
I bet in the mortgage world, it's every bit, if not maybe even more complicated. Brian, are there people that get mortgages or mortgage applications based on a contingency? 100%. Usually their agent says, get them non-contingent first. <laughs> yeah. And then I say, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. And usually you come out with the lower number you're qualified for right. without selling your house. But yeah, if you sell your house and you have half a million dollars in equity that you get to release in that sale, yeah, you can buy another half million dollars or more in house because you can leverage it differently. Now, if you had a mortgage on the house that you're selling, let's say you have 80% equity, but you're still paying a mortgage on that. Um, if you buy it without buying a new home without a contingency, you have to basically carry two mortgages for a while. Is that you what you're to, looking at doing? You have to qualify for both mortgages and your car payments and mm -hmm. your student loan payments if you have them. And yeah, it's that's the dance. That's for sure. the tough part. And so if it happens that you're buying a home that is being sold on a contingency of the seller selling, uh, buying and closing his deal could be the, the case, right? Well, I mean, some people can qualify non-contingent, but it financially could break them if they had to carry both those mortgage payments for an extended period. Like, yeah. I don't qualify somebody on how much they pay in childcare expenses uh, or how much they have to pay in ancillary other costs that are not on a credit report. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have all kinds of bills that aren't my, not on my credit report, so I, mm -hmm. I still got to pay them even if I'm trying to buy another property. Or, so you might have to pull back a little bit. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I think we're, we're starting to see this little bit of a just softening, I would say, there's just not, it, it, we're starting to get contingent buyers approved and in, mm -hmm. in, in contract. That means the sellers are not getting any other better offers. I, I guess that's that's what that tells me. So the uh, if you buy the house non-contingent and now you're carrying both mortgages, a lot of people just figure, oh, it's the seller's market. I'll just put my house on the market next week after I close and it'll sell right away. So that's great if you can. And as long as I can qualify you, I, I'm not too worried about it. You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna have to work this out, mm -hmm. but I specifically have this like hair raising feeling in the back of my <laughs> neck from 2006 when I was working in the building industry and had a lot of people buying brand new homes that took a long time to sell, mm -hmm. and the seller, the builders wouldn't accept a contingent offer, and we had to qualify people and we had different loan tools that could qualify people for way more than they should have. They, sh they most people can't carry two mortgages like that. Uh, some people can, and those are the ones that are getting through with the non-contingency. The people that can't are being either boxed out of the market or they need to sell and move in with mom and dad. Yeah. So, um, so on a contingent deal, um, when a seller gets an offer from two or three buyers, and one of them is a contingent deal, Gary, on a, uh, on a transaction dependent upon that buyer closing his deal, you got two or three other deals you're looking at that don't have contingencies. Uh, does the seller typically look away from the one with the contingency and look at the other ones because nowadays they want to close quick, close for cash? Or the seller's at a point now where, for whatever reason, they, they're considering the contingency along with everything else. Here's where contingencies can work. Um, everyone thinks that the highest price offered is what's going to win the contest, if you will. It's not always the case. Terms and conditions make a big play. A seller who's sitting in a house that they've lived in for 20 or 30 years, they may have an offer that's all cash, but they want to close it and have you out in two weeks. That may not appeal to 
seller. That may they may say, no, I need to do a rent back. I need to be in the home for another couple months. Mm -hmm. That may not go along with what was the highest offer. The highest offer may indeed be a contingency offer. So the seller may say, I need to move on with my life. I am not going to accept a contingency offer. I'm going to accept this offer. That is, uh, if it's an if it's a loan, they're waiving the appraisal, meaning they're they're going to guarantee they're going to come up with enough cash to meet any shortfall in appraisal, or it's a cash transaction, and we can and they are willing to accept the fact that I want to rent back for a couple months. Mm -hmm. So, um, the the hard part about it, and this is why I say, I've said it over and over and over again. Get a good realtor by your side. The realtor is going to bring a team of people. They're going to bring the inspectors. They're going to bring the handymen. They're going to bring the loan officers like Brian. They're going to they're going to bring the entire package along with them to guide you through this process. Because if you think that just going out and making the best offer on paper, the highest cash offer on paper is going to get the deal done, oftentimes it doesn't. Gary McDonald is our guest from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. We're talking about contingencies in real estate transactions right now about how they impact the buying of primary residences, selling of primary residences. Gary, is it possible that knowing now that sellers and real estate agents are aware of more contingencies in the market, is there a way that a buyer can use the fact that they can include a contingency can they use that to their advantage in some way when they hadn't planned on using the contingency going in? Not in every case, but in some cases, yes. It goes to this. It goes to uh, if, you, if you're with a good realtor, the good, the good realtor is going to pick up the phone, call the agent that has the listing and say, what are your seller's motivation? What are they looking to get out of this transaction? Is it strictly price? Do they need to occupy after closing? Do they, what, what are the things that are going to motivate them so that I can structure this offer correctly? And, and another question would be, is your seller open to a contingency offer? That's mm -hmm. a conversation to be had up front. So if they're not open to a contingency offer and the buyer still wants to buy that property, they're going to go to Brian and they're going to say, we need to be approved for a non-contingency offer up to this amount of money. Mm -hmm. And then his approval letter will say, this is what, what we're going to approve them for. Mm -hmm. The other part that I'm going to always encourage my buyers to do, if they're, especially if they're not cash buyers, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask the lenders today to get them beyond just the initial approval letter. I'm going to ask them to get it right up to and including all you have to do is go through final underwriting, get an appraisal, get your inspections, and then you're done. That letter becomes stronger for the seller than just um, a generic approval letter uh, where somebody's going to have to do more than they did two years ago, but not not to the depth of getting it right up to underwriting. Do well, you... it sounds like that's what happens already at Guild Mortgage, Brian. <laughs> um, I know that uh, pre-approval letters, well, they used to be kind of, you could go to a vending machine and get a pre-qualification letter from so many places, and pre-approval letters... A little tougher, but they were out there. But now I would imagine it's not that easy to get a pre-approval letter. Well, I mean, there's always push button get mortgage. You know, the the uh, the, the rockets oh, of the world. Yes, I heard they, about they that. They don't one. they don't always like verify, right? So I guess the difference is, 
and I like my term for this is just pre-qualified versus verified. Yes. So I mean, I can you can tell me you make X amount of money, mm -hmm. and until you can back it up with documentation, mm -hmm. it's maybe not so. Right. Yeah. So I, I personally don't issue a letter without if this if level of approval that we're just talking about here, you know, fully documented. If a seller wanted to buy my house, I'd want to see a pre-approval letter from a mortgage lender that I know, that I trust, uh, that maybe I could communicate to confirm. Uh, not a letter from some outfit in Detroit that tells me they've got a rocket with my money in it right now. We'll <laughs> talk about why you should use a local lender, why you should use a local realtor on all transactions, plus an actual look at the stats from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors and more after this. Put your teaching skills and experience to maximum benefit. Community Services Agency of Reno is seeking motivated, passionate teachers to improve the learning outcomes, living standards, and academic success of our young students. My name is Katie Rosas and I'm an assistant teacher for Head Start. I, we do get a lot of great opportunities here. I'm going back to school to become a teacher also. Call us at 775-786-6023 and visit us at csareno.org. Hello, I'm Brian Cushing, Senior Loan Officer at Guild Mortgage. Join me and the rest of the Nevada Real Estate Radio team. I love talking about my specialty, the mortgage world, and how we help families in Northern Nevada accomplish their dreams of home ownership. Make sure you totally understand before you sign on the dotted line. Tune in to Nevada Real Estate Radio. Guild Mortgage Company. Equal housing opportunity. Company NMLS number 3274. NV Banker number 1076. NV Broker number 1141. Brian Cushing NMLS number 303045. Telephone number 775-453-0345. Located in 6990 South McCarran Boulevard, Suite 200. Reno, Nevada 89509. All loans subject to underwriter approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Subject to change without notice. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Back on the radio show. Thanks for tuning in to our program today. We're talking about real estate, real estate for investors, the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors, and all those great stats that we get on a monthly basis to keep us informed. When you look at the numbers, it's pretty easy to tell that we're in an up market. But when you talk to the people from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors, they can tell you a little bit about why it's like this and where the trends are going. And you add that with a look at the real estate stats and the best way to get into the world of real estate with a mortgage. Brian Cushing here with us. Uh, pretty good recipe for success. I've made some really bad real estate deals in my history, and I always want people to avoid those deals. Uh, I think the best way I can tell people to do that, stay away from the trouble I was in, was to not be so overconfident, not think that you know everything, not 
look for confirmations as opposed to honest feedback, but really get honest feedback and critique. And Brian, it seems like when people get into the world of home buying, financial decisions, real estate, they all seem to go a little crazy. That's emotional. People kind of change, you know, when they're in the middle of a real estate transaction. Some people get for the better, other people get for the worse, uh, more aggressive, uh, stressful, uh, agitated. I was reading in a document not long ago that the average number of homes people are looking at now before they actually pull the trigger is 13 homes. And I'm wondering if and maybe that number is so high because after they look and they turn around, they look back and it's already been sold. Things are happening so fast. It's the speed, I think, that's creating tensions and stress for the market. What do you think about the reasons for stress? Well, uh, if you're going to sell a large piece of property, I mean, the biggest transaction that you're going to deal with in the next five years, most people don't do more than one every five years, buying or selling real estate. So, it yeah, it gets super emotional. And, uh, of course... I get to see people that I've helped finance over the years and that they want to do the, the next move. That might be a move up or a move out or a move down or whatever it is. They always think their house is the best one on the block. And then when they go look at some of these houses, they pick apart. The, 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 I, I get lots of you know, feedback that uh, I'm sure the realtors get it too. <laughs> but like, oh, those people are crazy for what, that much money for that house. But then, of course, they think theirs is worth top dollar in mm-hmm. the marketplace. So mm-hmm. um, it's emotional. And I think it's, uh, when it's yours, you, you, you pick the color in your living room because you love it. And right. then sometimes the realtors walk in, like I'm sure Gary can give us some feedback on this and say, you, you might want to think about a different shade of purple in that living room. I'm not sure that buyers are going <laughs> to go for that. <laughs> it's funny what people think about when they're looking to buy or sell a home. I know a seller that um, talks to me about the home that she's got. She's thinking about selling the home, but she's so hung up of all the money she put in when she bought the home 30 years ago. And she told me that if I knew how much it cost to put that blow-in insulation in all of the walls around that home, I'd understand why she wants thirty or 40000 more than the appraisal price. And I shake my head, Brian, because I don't see it. Nobody sees it. But people get really stuck on what they have done to the house to make it suitable for their own satisfaction, for their own preference. When it's a buyer's market, when you've got a buyer looking for a home, it's still kind of like a commodity sometimes, isn't it? Gary? <laughs> I, I absolutely think so. Um, it's it's like putting your best foot forward in everything that we do and being realistic. And, and to Brian's point, that's kind of the toughest part today is that if, if uh, Bob's house down the street is worth – uh, 550, then mine's worth six. Same square footage, same year built. Bob remodeled the kitchen. We haven't, but if that's what they got, then we should be able to get six. And so logic um, doesn't always apply in what we do. It it, it just doesn't. Um, and I tell I tell sellers this all the time that there's three ways to go about securing a sale. And I have a very successful broker friend. And her company, they look to underprice it just a little bit. Get get the activity, get people coming in, and then if the there is an upside in the market, you'll get multiple offers and higher offers. There's um, hitting the number, and this is what I prefer. Is I, I prefer to do as much research as I can, 
and do the best I can to price that house to the number. And then the third way I call is going fishing. And that is where you, we'll see if I, I've heard this, I don't know how many times in my real estate career. Well, I want to see, I want to see what's out there. I want to see if somebody's going to be able to come in and pay, pay me more than what this house is worth. And, and that is not my favorite client. I will, I will tell you the person who is willing to look at um, the marketplace. I'll give you an example. Early in the year, we had a home. I had sold the home four or five years ago to this, to this couple and they had done some work on the property and the value indicated to me I, th I thought it was going to be about 825 830 and we I, I, su I suggested listing at 799 uh, 26 showings in a day and a half five offers the highest offer was nine we ended up selling it for 876 um, and but but it was higher than I originally thought it was going to go. But the mar I always say the market will speak. This house will bring what the market says that it's worth, mm -hmm. and that's what somebody is willing to pay. And so that was a that was a good situation. Just had another transaction recently where where I think the buy, the sellers went fishing a little bit, priced it a little bit too high. They got a really good offer. The appraisal came in short, and we had the drama of going through the, the fact that the appraisal didn't meet their expectations. And so um, it's a complicated marketplace. Mm -hmm. It isn't getting any easier as the year goes on, as the years go on. We're going to, this, this business sounds simple. It really sounds simple. Put a price on the house, sit back, wait for offers. Well, it's not quite that simple. And I'll bring it to a point here. All right. There, there is an iBuyer program out there. There's a number of iBuyer programs that have been active in the marketplace. One of them was operated by Zillow. And Zillow is famous for their estimates. Well, Zillow is just selling off $2.8 billion worth of homes that they purchased that they overpaid for. So Zillow, the company that gives appraisals basically on the online for home values, they got into the real estate investing business and bought a bunch of homes. And they're also brokers in our marketplace. So I'm not disparaging them, but I'm, what I'm saying is to the point that this market, it's not a, a matter of having a good computer program that's going to spit out the number. There's a lot of nuance to the marketplace. And so their iBuyer program said, okay, this Joe and Mary Smith's home on 123 B Street is worth this much money. We're going to offer him this much money. Well, their, their market evaluations, their computer evaluations were high. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up deciding to get out of the marketplace. They're looking to sell $2.8 billion, and they want to sell it in one, uh, one transaction rather than selling off the homes individually. So Zillow is a huge player in the marketplace. They're, they're, they're a gorilla. They really and truly are. And for them to go through that, it, it just proves that, again, nuance over computer statistics. There's a, there's a lot of interpretation that needs to go on mm -hmm. uh, in the buying and selling of homes. Yeah, Zillow has been in the news lately quite a bit, and I know that uh, um, there are other opportunities out there for people to buy homes through the iBuying systems. Yes. But I was surprised, Gary, when they chose to sell all of the homes from their holdings. It made me wonder whether they had overpaid for those homes. And some of the feedback that I've read about 
said exactly that. Yep. That Zillow was not very good at their estimating of homes and estimating of future business. And some of their other digital competitors, you look at their stats and what they're doing, they're doing great, some of these smaller companies mm -hmm. in the iBuying world. But it brings back a thought that I had earlier this weekend, Gary, as I'm thinking about this show, is what really has driven the prices up across America, not only for homes, but for everything. I think the digital world is responsible for a lot of the increases in home values, in retail, in prices. Uh, there's something about the digital world. I don't know what it is, but it makes me want to spend money. <laughs> well, that's kind of a big business, so that makes sense. It is. A, it is. It a makes big me want to spend money, and I'm willing to spend even more money sometimes because I get so excited about the things that I see digitally. And I think the digital world uh, can help, but it can also offer some challenges because everything is at your disposal. Everything you want to see, you know, whether it's a home or an item or an automobile. It's there. You just have to fork out the money to get it. And I think people think differently about buying homes. It used to be that the appraisal was the, the final say. That is what was going to close the deal or not. But that, it's now secondary. People are willing to pay more money to get a deal closed because the home is one of a kind. That's the one difference when buying real estate is it's always one of a kind. You're buying a classic car, you're buying some rare collectibles. You can always probably find another one if you can't buy this one. But real estate is just like that, isn't it, Gary? It's, it's, it, it it's is. that unique. And I want to address one of the things you talked about digitally and everything else. Brian, earlier in our conversation today, talked about in 2006 being on the home builder side. Mm -hmm. Well, when the market shut down in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, we basically didn't see any major new home builds just across the country. When the market shut down. That's when, when I was a mortgage lender. They were asking me why things were so tough. Yeah. The market had shut down. <laughs> well, what I'll tell you is this. The demand remained. The supply stopped. Mm -hmm. And so right now we are five to seven million homes short of meeting demand nationwide. So this general uptick that this region has had, I would normally, years in years gone by, it was more of a regional phenomenal. The Northeast would be down, the Southeast would be up. Right. The Northwest would be down, the Southwest would be up. Yeah. This, this rise that we've seen in property values has been right across the board. Yeah, the has. multiple offer situations mm -hmm. have been in Reno, Nevada. They've been in Santa Rosa, California. They've been in um, Peoria, Illinois. I mean, it's it's been across the country that this has all come. And it's pro, uh, driven by a couple of different things. Shortage of supply and low interest rates. And for those people that are waiting until prices come down, I think it's going to be a long wait, Gary McDonald. I don't know that that's going to happen in any point in the near future. So I'm encouraging all of our listeners to call an expert talk to Gary McDonald. Gary, what's the best way to reach you if they want to talk about real estate in Northern Nevada? I can be reached at area code 775-848-6687. And Gary McDonald is part of the Dixon Realty team here in Northern yes. Nevada. And Gary, I know you do great work there. And um, I'm, I know that you really care about your clients. And if anybody wants to talk real estate, you're a great person to talk to. When it comes to the world of finance and mortgage, and that's the way to buy real estate nowadays, you don't want to spend all your cash 
on a piece of real estate when the interest rates are so low, I encourage you to talk with Brian Cushing. Brian, give us your best contact information. Yeah, we'll start with homeloansreno.com or you can call us at 775-453-0345. Homeloansreno.com. As for Brian Cushing, I understand he's got a pocket full of money. Got, ready to lend got a, money to lend for a great real estate transaction. We have not looked at the numbers, but I'm looking at them right now. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to see how many zeros are at the end of the median home price here in northern Nevada. Back after this. While the kids are in our care at Early Head Start, our parents are able to maintain a job, go back to school, do whatever they need to do to support their family. Hi, my name is Miss Camilla. I work for Early Head Start. I am in the baby room. I absolutely love it. I love working with the babies. They are newborns to one-year-olds and it's just very, very heartwarming. If you want a great job and love kids, come see us at Head Start and Early Head Start. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference is coming Feb 24, 25, and 26 in Urington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. Learn about products from beehives used for health and beauty from world-renowned speakers. The Honey Tasting Contest, the 2022 Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 24, 25, and 26. Register at NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. Feb 24, 25, and 26. Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference. Log in to the website and register NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. Tell them Peter sent you. With me in the studio today, Brian Cushing from Guild Mortgage and Gary McDonald from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors talking about the latest happenings in the real estate world in northern Nevada, helping people, well, get through the system. If you're looking to buy or sell real estate, it's not an easy task. You're dealing with a one-of-a-kind property. That median sales price here in northern Nevada, Reno Sparks, is $540,000. Gary, about seven years ago, you could buy three houses for that money. <laughs> the market has gotten steadily higher, yes. Look at that. I mean, you know, we talk about why people would pay more for a house than what it's being asked to sell for. It's not just to win the deal sometimes. Look at what happened just a year ago. The price went up over 18% in one year. And I know for a fact, Gary, that the year before that, it went up about 20%. I mean, in just two years, you're looking at close to 35-40% increase in value, in equity. So when somebody says, I, I want to offer a little more for a home today, they probably are thinking in a year it could be worth another 10, 15, 20%. Is not out of the question, at least not by today's standards. It's not something I promise buyers. Uh, when I talk to them, unless I'm working with an investor, and with an investor, we're going to do a pro forma on the property as to what its what its uh, value is, what it might rent for, how long they would have to keep it, and mm -hmm. what's the return going to be on the invest investment. Mm -hmm. With a home owner, with a home buyer, I'm selling homes. 
I'm selling places to raise families. I'm selling places that I want you to be happy that you're driving home to each night if, you, if you're working at a physical job or if you're working from home, that I want you to be happy to be in that home all day. I can't sell real estate based on the promise of a future profit because there's no guarantee. Nor would we accept that as well. If I was talking to you in 2012, I'd be asking you if it was going to down again this year, like it did the last several years. 2012 was a very hard year because that's when median home sales prices were $150,000. Yes. I have a feeling, Gary, that it doesn't matter if the prices are really low or the prices are really high. There's always skepticism whether it's the right time to buy. I, I, as the role of president this year, I've been asked uh, to interview with a lot of media, and they always want to know when the next, they don't use, they're not even shy about using the term collapse. And there's, there's no collapse that I can foresee on the horizon. The last three months, uh, we've, we've been averaging about 535. This month it ticked up to 540. Uh, we sold a few fewer homes. We're still in a, in a strong seller's market. And from the time a home gets listed, and I see the stat uh, by your finger, nine days to contract. That's and amazing. that is outrageous. That yeah. is really, really good. Not to have been expected in years gone by. Uh, it's just a strong showing of what the strength of the marketplace is. Well, and the fact that there's a lot more demand than supply. We talk about supply not because about the number of homes, but more of the number of people willing to sell their homes. Uh, right now, there's 606 listings available on this report. Last month, there were 565 closed sales. When you look at the population that this era, this report covers, I bet it's prop covering a population of about 400,000 people, mm -hmm. close to half a million people, and we're only closing 565 deals. My question to you, Gary McDonald, is what's happening to that other 495,000 populace that aren't able to buy a home? 495,000 people did not buy a home this last month. Well, not everybody's in the market to buy or sell a home at the same time. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank God, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think we'd all go crazy if that were the case. But still, uh, that's a pretty big difference. Uh, there's a lot of people for that live in an area with such, such few sales. I really do think people just don't want to sell. I bet there's people that want that, that think that they maybe should sell, but they just don't want to because of... Uh, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Or how much money am I going to need to buy at the new place? Or what are the interest rates going to be at the next deal that I buy? Yeah. And what are my neighbors going to be like? I've got noisy neighbors now. Can you imagine if it was worse? What if it's one of these people that just quit their job? Those are my favorite. Well, they quit their job and then they <laughs> well, want this, to buy a house? It's, isn't this year the great resignation? Yeah, yeah. That is, <laughs> there's, a lot, yeah. there's a lot of people starting new businesses that they just quit their job. So maybe that, that's what they can't sell because well, they a can't lot of finance. Entrepreneurs, you know, the real estate world brings out a lot of entrepreneurs in the world because it, it does take a, some kind of an entrepreneurial mindset to buy a piece of real estate, doesn't it? I mean, you got the numbers all, everything has to kind of click together. Actually, if you're going to be involved in the real estate business, what Brian does is entrepreneurial. What I do is entrepreneurial. What my, what my association does is entrepreneurial. It's, uh, there's no guaranteed paycheck. We work for uh, what we get. And um, it's, it's one of those things that it's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to work without uh, benefits, 
not everyone wants to work without a guaranteed paycheck. And so uh, what we do is truly entrepreneurial. If you look at our drive distance, 30 minutes to get out to, to Fernley, mm -hmm. I mean, if you know anybody that's moved here from the Bay Area specifically, a huge influx of people from that market, mm -hmm. they look at you like 30 minutes is nothing. You oh, sit yeah. 30 minutes of traffic to go 10 miles. Yeah, and at least it's pretty here too, and it's pleasant. And there are a lot of a lot of people working remotely now and staying on the roads less and taking that into consideration as well. All of the things that you need to think about before you buy or sell real estate, too many to mention in one show or even with one person. That's why I recommend talk to the experts, and that includes my two guests today. Gary McDonald from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. Gary, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Any final Peter. thoughts for our listeners? Um, this is still a very, very good market. The the over that overnight it's not going to change. We're still going to have a competitive seller's market, and with interest rates possibly looking to be in flux, uh, it's a good time to buy. If you're waiting for the prices to go down, good luck. Best time of the year, I think, to buy real estate. Right Late now. fall in the winter. Yes. So we're getting there. Brian. If it's snowing, go look at the house. <laughs> yes. right. You might be the only one. That'd be a switch. Brian Cushing from Guild Mortgage. Brian, enjoyed having you on the radio program today. And thank you for all the work you're doing for your clients, helping them accomplish their goals. Do you have any final thoughts for the people that are tuning in today? Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you're scared of the winter, it's only four months till March. <laughs> that's right. Spring is right around the corner. It'll be here before you know. And that's really when things are going to pick up, like they do every year, don't they? You know, I, I, I've looked at these charts from Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. Every month I pull it up, and sometimes I just have to show people, like, look, the wintertime is just a little different than the summertime. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just because it slows down in the winter doesn't mean it's not going to pick up in the spring again. Yeah, it yeah. always comes back. Yeah. Always of course, I'm a half, uh, glass half full kind of guy. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brian Cushing will put all of your contact information on our website, NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. Make it easy for people to find you. Thanks for being here. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in as well. We're on the air again next week. Same time, same station. Tell your friends to tune in too. And they'll make a great deal when it comes to time to buy or sell real estate. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody. <laughs> you have been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership and appreciate your feedback. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to Peter at NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. Next time on The Sherry Hill Show. The Reno Rodeo Foundation is committed to leveraging community partnerships, putting financial resources to the highest impact use possible, and establishing an identity as a major supporter for local children's services in Northern Nevada. Tune in every Monday to The Sherry Hill Radio Show. 11.30 a.m. right here. The Sherry Hill Show. Mondays, 11.30 a.m.